Let's just hit the ground running, boys. You're listening to GGR Pirate Radio. Don't be a juice bag. Start your computations for time warp. You run around this city like it's your damn shooting gallery. Yeah, what do you do? What do you do? You act like it's a playground. You beat up the bullies with your fists. You throw them in jail. Everybody calls you a hero, right? And then a month, a week, a day later, you're back on the streets doing the yeah. same goddamn so, thing. So you just put him in the morgue. You goddamn right. This is called pirate radio. Well, Jeff, my friend, today's the day you become a man. A pinata man. Hey, Phil. Phil. Hey, Phil Connors, Ned. But, Peter, why would they make you president? Well, maybe it's because I can recite all 50 states in a quarter of a second. This is called Pilot Radio. Lady, I'm afraid I'm going to have to ask you to leave the store. Who the hell are you? Name's Ash. Housewares. 69, dudes! It's Four-Leaf Clover. Make a wish. Wish you weren't so f***ing awkward, bud. This is called Pilot Radio. Dylan! You son of a... Be like, oh, these are stupid guns. Guns uh. are for jerks. Ah, <laughs> uh, Pam, I will end you. This is called Pilot Radio. It's like, yeah, no, action news. And now, your host, Mike Lutzford. <laughs> I'm totally gonna use that, too. Here's the kick now. The pitch fastball is hit in the air to left center field. Robles calling for it. He's under and waiting. And he makes the catch. He makes the catch. Bang. Zoom down the fireworks. The National League Championship winning. Curly W is in the box. And for the first time since 2019, when you heard the Nationals have won the National League Championship and they will play for the World Championship. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, my name is Mike Lunsford and this is GGR Pirate Radio. Guys, as you heard in the intro, it is a fucking wonderful time to be a sports fan in D.C. Holy shit. Let me tell you about that. Because not only are the Washington Nationals going to their first ever World Series, they won their first playoff series. They've won two playoff series. Hell, if you count the wild card, they've won three when they've never won one before. On top of that, 
the Washington Mystics, our WNBA franchise, are the world champions. Not only that, 2018, the Washington Capitals, world champions, Stanley Cup champions. Things are changing here in D.C. And to talk about this tonight, I've got two of my favorite guys when it comes to talking sports. We've got the co-host of GGR Pirate Radio, also host of his own show. It is called The Overflow with MC Brooks. Here's MC Brooks. Hello. We've also got the host and executive producer, director of all things, Fantastic Forum. Uh, he can be found on FantasticForum.tv, or you can find him on WERA-FM 96.7 tomorrow. That's Saturday at 4 p.m. His name is Ulysses E. Campbell. Hey, how y'all doing? We are good, and we're not yelling at each other. Uh, <laughs> in we joke. Were, yeah, in joke. We were lucky <laughs> enough to be guests on uh, Ground Rule Double Podcast, uh, which you guys can check out on Facebook. Um, if you just look up Ground Rule Double Podcast, it's hosted by Dave Thomas. Um, you guys, and not the guy who runs Wendy's or former Wendy's, you know, may he rest <laughs> in peace. But yeah, different Dave Thomas. No square hamburgers for this guy. But gentlemen, we're going to get right down to brass tacks here tonight. I, as a lifelong DC sports fan, I'm, I'm, I don't even know how to respond to what's going on because it's like all of that good hope and faith that you had in these teams is finally starting to pay off. And like, and not just in, Oh, our teams are winning in little ways too, because we got spurned by quite possibly one of the biggest names in baseball right now. His name is Bryce Harper. You might have heard of him. You might have heard us drag him through the mud a couple of times here because we do that. He he left D.C. to go to somewhere else for whatever reason. You can say that it was more money. You can say that the contract wasn't as good that was offered by the Nats. That's fine. The Nats offered the best thing they could offer that was going to keep them competitive. But as soon as he leaves, it, it, it was like a polar shift. The culture changed. And we'll talk about that a little bit more, but like he leaves the the baseball team gets to their first uh, national league championship. The football team is a joke. We're not going to talk about them. The, the hockey team seems to find another gear when they need to like early in the season already this year, they had a, a couple of rough spots, but they've already, this is now they've won their second game in a row against a division opponent. So they seem to be finding their legs as well. Um, one of the things that we also want to do is we just want to talk about like kind of the, the, the attitude that that's going on here. Um, but Yuli, how long have you been, how long have you been living in DC? Cause I know originally you're from New Jersey, but how long have you been living here? Well, I have, uh, lived in Washington, DC since August of 1981. Now, uh, that, that was actually when I first came to town. And, um, I, I, I didn't officially live here, even though that was where I spent the majority of my time at the conclusion of the, um, my first year of college, I went back home to New Jersey for the summer. And, uh, I, I basically spent subsequent summers, uh, here in the DC area and, um, switched my uh, residence over officially not too long after that because I relinquished my New Jersey driver's license and I actually got a District of Columbia driver's license. But uh, it really started in August of 1981 uh, is mm -hmm. when, I, when I moved here. And that was, you know, I mean, again, home for the summer, but never really went back there again. So, so it's an early, early 80s then. So 
as, as somebody who was not, you know, cognizant of what was going on here until at least the middle of the 80s, and that would be me. Um, tell me a little bit about the sports scene here, because, I mean, for a while, it was pretty much just the football team and everybody else played second fiddle, if that. Like, it was probably even a lower rung than that. Well, you know, it wasn't even real. I mean, in that the Redskins had always been, um, you know, because the, the National Football League is, is the National Football League. And so there was a certain adoration of that, even though the main success the team had 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 really been in the uh, 30s and the 40s. Um, you know, slinging Sammy Baugh, and uh, I believe the team won a championship in 1933. And I, 1942, I believe, were when they won NFL championships. And um, so those that had been the main success. Now, the team had lured uh, legendary, legendary uh, football coach, um, you know, coach of the Green Bay Packers. Uh, and I kept saying that in the hopes that I would remember his name because I can't. But like, Vince Lombardi. Vince Lombardi. Oh, my God. Yes. Thank you. Um, and, uh, but apparently he had cancer. He coached the Redskins for one year before he left and, uh, passed away shortly thereafter. But the Redskins got another guy by the name of, and I almost wish I could forget his name, but, um, George Allen. And he is the father mm -hmm. of Bruce Allen, you know, who's the current uh, team president of the Redskins. So Bruce Allen is something of a legacy, but George Allen had been a, uh, big time college coach. He had, I want to say coached USC and, you know, very good in terms of connecting with players. So even though these guys were a lot older, um, you know, George Allen, he coached, they were called the over the hill gang and uh, he, he coached them to an appearance in the Super Bowl in 1972. Now it's just unfortunate that they were going up against the undefeated Miami Dolphins, but you know, they, the, the, and the Redskins had great players. I mean, you know, they had guys like, Bobby Mitchell and uh, Charlie Taylor and um, uh, the great Sonny Jurgensen and you know so so you know I mean they were they were known uh, in in sports circles um, you know part of the problem was at least when I came the red the the it, DC area had lost the second of two baseball teams. Uh, what we know as the Minnesota Twins yeah. was the first Washington Senators team, and the Texas Rangers uh, were the other. And so Washington was bereft of a football team, a baseball team. If you wanted baseball, you had to go to Baltimore to see the Orioles. But there was no uh, WNBA team. Uh, the Caps were fairly new, and uh, they weren't really contenders. The Wizards, excuse me, the, the Wizards were the Bullets at the time. <laughs> and the, now they made the playoffs. They had Moses Malone, and they had actually just won an NBA I found out years later. They had just won an NBA championship in 1978. So not too far removed from that. But, um, you know, and they were still, I mean, they made the playoffs. They, they uh, uh, fell on harder times, though. As the years went on, no, the sports scene uh, in the D.C. area outside of the Redskins, you know, who ended up becoming contenders with the hiring of a guy by the name of Joe Gibbs, who uh, coached the Redskins their first Super Bowl victory in 19. Well, it was the 1981 season, but they won it in uh, January of 1982. But uh, outside of that, it was college teams. 
the Georgetown Hoyas basketball team uh, had a guy by the name of Patrick Ewing, you know, at center. <laughs> and of course, uh, John Thompson, legendary basketball coach. And, you know, I mean, if you're familiar with college basketball at all, you know, it's like, oh my God, Georgetown. And that set them, you know, on a run, you know, through several different big time centers and, you know, with John Thompson being the one to center them, uh, you know, and, and ground that team for many years to come. Uh, also, the Maryland Terrapins football team was very good. They had a guy uh, by the name of Norman Julius Esiason, who went by Boomer. <laughs> and I had no idea who Boomer Esiason was as good as he was when he quarterbacked Maryland. But yeah. of course, he went on to have a stellar uh, college, uh, pro career. But, you know, because in college, he was, he was pretty good. But the Terps, and in fact, also the Terps in, in basketball. And, uh, you know, of course, you had the great lefty Drizel uh, as the coach at that time. And uh, now the, the Maryland basketball program had some rough spots. You know, there was most notably the death, the uh, premature death of uh, Len Bias, uh, you know, due to uh, cocaine intoxication. And that was a dark stain on the, uh, you know, on the, on the Maryland basketball program. But Maryland, uh, you know, basketball, football, you know, they were, they were contenders, of course. Like I said, Georgetown with basketball. So, you know, the college scene was, uh, was pretty big around that time and, and almost uh, overshadowed what was going on with the pros because of the lack of a baseball team and the fact that the hockey team was not particularly impressive and the basketball team pro team was on the decline. So that was, that was sort of what your sports scene in the early eighties looked like, Mike. So MC, like for you, I mean, has it, were you always kind of like football first and then all the other sports in DC second? Uh, yeah, for the most part. I mean, um, growing up, I actually, I actually was kind of big into hockey for a bit, but I, re I remember one of the, one of the lockouts happened and then that's kind of when I really dove all in on football and basketball. Um, and that was around the time that I think I started going to games with my, with my mom for the first time. Um, and so, yeah, it, was, it, it basically throughout my, my teenage years and my twenties, it was basically, you know, every Sunday, one o'clock, you know, or four, four twenty-five, you know, whatever channel the skins are on, I need to find the TV so that I can watch it. Um, literally, everything else played second fiddle. Like, I, I, you know, I rooted for the other teams. I rooted for the the uh, the Wizards, or uh, I rooted for the Wizards with their blue and gold uniforms at the time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we didn't have baseball until '05, but I, you know, I supported the Nationals when they when they came here, even though they were they were bad for a lot of those early seasons. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I supported the teams, but it just the folk. I, I was more plugged into football than literally anything else. Like that, you know, the the other every other sport, you know, I, I'd be okay with finding out if they won afterwards. The skins I had to watch for myself, and and see for myself. Okay, did they win? How did they win? How did you know the quarterback play? How did these people play? You know, oh, if they lost, then whose fault was it? You know, did the coach do this or that? So yeah, I mean, 
and and I think that was the reality for not only just me but my family. My parents are very big sports fans. Also, um, my dad's from Philly, so he pays attention to mostly Philadelphia sports. Um, but my mother and my older sister, especially, like we were all football first. You know, even my extended family to my aunts, uncles, and cousins, like it was always football first, and then you know whatever sport we happen to like after football is who is what we worry about after. But yeah, it was always yeah. football first. Yeah. And it's, it's just been, it's really been interesting watching that shift. And, um, Julie and I were talking about this earlier offline that like, it's now become the football team is second fiddle. Like you walk, you walk around anywhere in DC, you walk around anywhere in Northern Virginia. I mean, as far down here as Fredericksburg, people are not wearing football stuff. They're not wearing Washington football stuff. They're wearing Nat stuff. They're wearing Cap stuff. They're wearing Mystic stuff. They're wearing Wizard stuff. They're wearing DC United. They're wearing anything but the football team. And it's it's just so crazy to think how it's shifted I, so drastically. I, I, I do wonder, though, how much the age dynamics factor into that. Because oh, it's got to be a huge I, factor. I, yeah, because I, I, I do think, you know, because I, I ride public transportation, and I, I still see a lot of, um, a lot of people around my parents' age. My parents are in their uh, in their sixties. Yeah. Um, but I still lots of lots of older folks who still you know rock skins jerseys and hats and and hoodies and whatnot. Um, I do think there is something to you know people uh, people in their in their thirties and definitely in their twenties who are you know more you know rocking other you know other gear for the you know the caps or the nats or or something like that. But I. I, I do think I, I think people who who still remember the skins being good are more prone to being loyal to wearing their gear and watching now. Whereas people like myself, who you know, you, who have only seen them be good, you know, for maybe a season at a time yeah. here or there, we're you know that, that's where a lot of the apathy is coming from and kind of being open to. Okay, well, you know, if they're not going to be good, then, you know, maybe now, yeah, I will worry more about the next. So what I want to do now is we actually have a, a special guest joining us who the reason we have assembled this crew of, of folks here tonight is because all of the people on here, um, I can't vouch for this guy yet, but MC Brooks vouched for him. Uh, so can. therefore, that's good enough for me because <laughs> I trust MC. So. Everybody I know that's on this podcast tonight is a DC sports fan in some capacity, but more so here's the important part. They're knowledgeable and they're not a, a homer. They're not going to just sit there and say, well, my team's the best because I like them. No, they're, they're going to back it up with facts. So MC, I'm going to give you the mic, man. You, you go ahead and introduce our, our guest here. Hey, uh, want to give a special GGR welcome to my to my man Paul, who I used to do a pod, do skins podcast with a couple years back. Uh, we have very differing opinions on a certain quarterback who I won't mention, but very happy to have him join us tonight while we discuss all things DC sports. Welcome, man. Thanks, man. Good to be here. <laughs> we're glad to have you. You were so, Paul. Give me a little bit of. Uh, of uh, background here. So you were, you were in the booth is what you had said earlier for, for a football game. Are you, are you a coach? Are you an announcer? What's going on with that? 
Yeah, so I work at a public high school. So yeah, I work. At, I'm, I'm up in the booth for high school football. Like I'm running the board and then and helping uh, you know spot players and um, you know call out the call out the. I don't do the play by I do the play by play for JV, but I help up doing all the other stuff in the booth uh, for the varsity squad. Um, so yeah, so that's where I'm coming from. Oh, nice. Tonight. Nice. So um, you folks at home can't see it because, you know, it's a podcast. It's not video. But uh, Paul is rocking the um, the spring training Washington Nationals hat right now, which let me tell you, I'm always proud to wear my Washington National stuff, but never have I been prouder to wear it. So I'm assuming that has something to do with uh, what you're wearing tonight, Paul. Yeah, you got it. Why wouldn't you be wearing that stuff right now? That's that's the the winner in town right now. So that yeah, and I've been wearing this hat since the playoffs started. Yeah. So uh, you know, I can't mess up the juju. You know, I oh, gotta no, keep can't. wearing. It. <laughs> you can't. We actually we were talking about that earlier because Yuli was was uh, was actually in town and we grabbed dinner and my wife was making fun of me because I have a Nats sweatshirt that I've worn since the first game of the playoffs, uh, since the uh, the wild card game, and I hadn't washed it yet, and. I, I, she was like, all right, I'm doing laundry. Do you want me to wash that sweatshirt? And I was like, no, you can't wash it. It's good luck. She's like, you were washing it. It stinks. And anyways, it's a new series. The world series hasn't started yet. And I was like, I swear if they lose, this is your fault. You didn't actually let her wash. It. <laughs> uh, yeah, she washed it. Oh, dude. What? Hang on. You had to hide it. You had to stash it somewhere. You do realize the other juju that's going on here, though, right? Like, every game that they have been losing... You gotta go my... buy a new shirt. <laughs> I gotta go buy a new shirt. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, my, my son has been coming... Every time that the Nats have been losing in any of the playoff games, my son has come out and laid on the couch with me. Not because I went and got him, because he was just like, Dad, I can't sleep. Can I lay with you? And he would lay on the couch with me in every single time they came back and won that game every single time so the kids a good luck charm what can i say well my question to that is what would you do if they started losing and he didn't just come out on his own i i, I might go watch it in his room <laughs> <laughs> i'm not gonna lie like it's... yeah <laughs> baseball baseball and hockey i feel of the two sports those are the most superstitious like i feel like those have more yeah, juju yeah. than any of the other sports like ba- like it. yeah like football to a certain degree you know but like baseball and hockey are like a weird well, like dynamic in baseball especially because if you remember that's where you get like the playoff beards and guys are not shaving and they're, they're making sure they do the same routine you know before every game just to you know, just to hopefully gain a little bit of an edge. I mean, I feel like we hear, I feel like we hear about it uh, every year. I mean, in fact, this off season might be the first off season in a, that I can think of where I haven't turned on ESPN and learned about some random pitcher who started growing a magic beard and now he's playing well. <laughs> like, what was that dude's name who played for the, I think the Giants a few years ago? Oh no, I don't, I don't know. Um... Well, I mean, Madison Bumgarner was always like their their stud in the playoffs. Like he was the dude when it came Brian to uh... Wilson. Oh, Brian, Brian Wilson. Oh, that Brian dude's Wilson. long. That's a long time ago. That's it. Yeah. yeah. But he was that dude with those crazy eyes. Like yeah. yeah. And like the insane beard. Like the like the ZZ top beard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so Paul, give me a little bit of background with 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 you and baseball, man. I mean, have you have you been did you did you play when you were younger? Or are you just like a lifelong baseball fan? 
Yeah, uh, both. Uh, I mean, I played in, uh, up until high school, but uh, I like to say I'm the, I'm the oldest fan of this franchise because I grew up in Canada, and so I cheer for the Expos. Uh, you know, back oh, in wow. the day, that was my childhood team, oh, wow. the Expos and the Blue Jays. Nice. Uh, yeah, so I, I have Expo gear too, of course, but uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, so that that's a uh, I go way back with the franchise for sure. Um, so it's super special to be now here, and you know, I've, I've been. You know, in the U.S. for a long, you know, quite a long time. I actually started, you know, cheering for D.C. teams, you know, when the Redskins were good because uh, I, you know, grew up on the CFL and, you know, playing Canadian football uh, as, a, as a teenager. But then and that was around the time when the Skins were winning championships. So they, they kind of became my... Uh, my surrogate team for, uh, you know, NFL, uh, just because, you know, I was a front running teenager basically <laughs> at the time. And so, you know, I kind of hooked in with them back then and, uh, you know, and then ended up, uh, you know, moving down here, uh, meeting my wife who's from the area and, and, uh, you know, becoming a kind of a DC guy at that point. And so, um, it worked out well. And then of course the Nats came in in 05, you know, which was the, you know, the same franchise as the Expos. And so that worked out too. So yeah, it's all kind of fell in place. Um, so, but yeah, long time fan, uh, grew up playing baseball. You know, I had a, actually had a, 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 a nine and 10 year old field uh, in my backyard. Basically it was the little league field. that was, I guess it was, I was literally next door to a baseball field growing up. I had fly balls hitting my backyard and you know, the whole nine. So yeah, I grew grew up with baseball is is for sure a thing uh, for me. Baseball's I kind of grew up with that was my number one. I was an umpire as a teenager and a kid, you know, all that in rec, nice. you know, umpiring little league and and all of that. So yeah, baseball is really the my first love when it comes to sports. Uh, you know, that's it, it's baseball for sure. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of the same way. Baseball's got a, a special place in my heart. And um, our friend uh, Ulysses E. Campbell, uh, we won't give him too much of a hard time because his team's actually winning right now. Uh, he grew up in New Jersey, so he's a Yankees fan. Um, so I wanted to I wanted to ask because it's a, it's a it's a different perspective here in D.C. I feel like all of us who are Nats fans and even Paul, like coming from Montreal, like seeing that team, they were good for a while, especially like when you said like early nineties, they were, they were pretty decent. And I think if it hadn't been that strike, yeah. year, they may have been, they may have ended up making the playoffs that year. They were the best team in baseball before the strike. Um, but 100%. that being, that being said, with the exception of like one season where they made the national league championship series, the Expos were never really that good. And DC has been, had a couple playoff teams, but this is the first time we've really experienced anything like this. Yuli, is it something that like, you just come to expect as a Yankees fan where it's like, if they don't make the playoffs, it that's where you're shocked. It, it's, it's never the, for us, I feel like it's the other way around. It's like when we make the playoffs, we're just so excited to be there, but is yeah. it the other way around for being a Yankees fan? Well, Mike, you know, being a fan of the New York Yankees is unlike being <laughs> a fan of any other sports team in the world, quite frankly, you know, the, the Yankees have won 27, World Series championships. <laughs> I've never heard that and, stat before. Yeah, yeah. Wow. well, and and let me tell you Ooh. something. I I I because I, I I had to look it up. I want to say the Yankees have appeared in I think it's forty three World Series. I mean, we've lost more World Series than most teams have ever seen. You know, and so it's um it, it's a unique kind of situation because being a fan of the New York Yankees. You don't simply want to see them win the division or win in the playoffs. Every year, you expect them 
to go to the World Series and to win. And it's a legitimate ex- expectation historically. And so, uh, yes, <laughs> it's very different. <laughs> you know, I mean, I look at the absolute ecstasy that a team like the Nationals experiences simply making the play. I mean, you know, they had champagne and all this kind of thing. And you're like, oh, isn't it nice? You boys enjoy your little celebrations. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Oh, man. Why did I, why did I have you? Yes, enjoy your little celebration. <laughs> why did I have you on again? <laughs> right? It's my winning ah, it's it is kind of true. Look, you asked the question. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I just yeah. answered it. And I'm not joking. I mean, that's one of the wonderful things about being a New York Yankees fan. I mean, and believe it or not, uh, fans of the Boston Red Sox are a lot more irritated. Uh, agreed. Agreed. <laughs> yeah. I think Red Sox fans are way worse. Mm-hmm. I, I would rather talk to a Yankees fan any day than a Red Sox fan, because also with a Yankees fan, you don't have to worry about casual racism like you do with Red Sox fans. Uh, well, generally, no. <laughs> generally, no. You know. For the most part, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, but it's that whole historic, you know, the the tra- that the winning tradition. In fact, something else that's great. You look at baseball records, and chances are, it's a Yankee who holds it, whatever it is, you know, I mean, it's, it's, chances are, I mean, or certainly if it's being broken, it's something that a Yankee held and somebody else is now breaking, you know? So, so one of the things that I wanted to ask you is we, we were talking about the, the football team here in DC and how dysfunctional they are. Um, we've talked about it at great length here. Mm-hmm. Uh, give me a little, give me a little insight on, cause there was a, there was a stretch there. Um, after the early eighties, uh, I know the Yankees won a world series, but you guys had a stretch in, into the nineties before the team was really good or relevant again, when Steinbrenner was kind of quite the villain. Um, what was, uh, did you guys lose a lot of fans at that point? Was it something where like, it, it just, you didn't even show up to games. Like as somebody who didn't live in the New York area, I'm not familiar with it. Like, what was it? Well, I mean, actually, I guess you were down here at that point too. So you were almost kind of like an expat when it came to well, the Yankees. Not- and not really. I mean, 1981, uh, the Yankees actually went to the World Series, lost to the Dodgers. It was a very yeah. painful kind of thing. But uh, even during the stretch that you're talking about, um, the Yankees, because the Yankees have always had great players. I mean, you know, whether they were winning or not, you know, and triumph and tragedy. And you know, I mean, you know, some horrible losses. I mean, deaths of players, you know, I mean, like anyway, but. Um, there was a guy named uh, Don Mattingly, you know, you might have heard of him, and he was great, and he never got to play on a World Series team, but he played for the Yankees, you know, during the 80s, and uh, that was one of the things that, you know, sort of kept us warm, you know, during an otherwise uh, sort of um, downward uh, trend in the in the whole bell curve, I'd say. So, you know, but they, no, they, as a Yankees fan, you still expect excellence and you know that they're going to rebound i mean heck the yankees were supposed to be rebuilding you know and all of a sudden you know shoot two years ago you know here they were alcs you know against these same uh you know houston astros but you know we've restocked i mean we got guys like aaron judge you know all rise (laughs) i mean folks (laughs) like uh, shoot um dd gregorius oh yeah oh 
Gregorius. We got some guys. In fact, yeah. even this season, the injuries were crazy. And the next man up stepped up. And somehow we put this thing together and kept it going. I mean, it's, it's the damnedest thing I've ever seen. And, uh, you know, to the point where, you know, now, in fact, part of the problem with the uh, Yankees is that uh, in some ways they're too good. And, um, you know, we were really looking to be able to add some pitching. All right. But, you know, people who were looking to make a deal, well, they're like, we want Glaber Torres. And we're like, well, you can't have Glaber Torres. <laughs> I mean, that's just like, oh, I mean, some kind of way. I mean, because the Yankees farm system is good enough that it's going to produce some guys. I mean, you know, when you've got guys like, I mean, you know, and you know, you're getting some of these guys in trade, like DJ LeMahieu, who's one of the best hitters in baseball and, yeah. you know, Giancarlo Stanton and, you know, we're trading trade I me mean, hell, even Gary Sanchez, Gary Sanchez was supposed to be the guy before Aaron Judge came along, you know? I mean, it's just like that. Even like an old cat like Brett Gardner. It's like that. Let me tell you something. Brett Gardner is my favorite Yankee right now. Yeah. You know? I mean, so anyway, I mean, but like I said, had some, you know, tough breaks with some injuries. You know, when we're able to uh, maybe add some arms. Yeah. You know, we'll see. I mean, because they remain competitive. Uh, even in, you know, in, in the state that they're in, you know, oh, yeah, for sure. a lot of people were very surprised that uh, general manager Brian Cashman hadn't made any moves before the trade deadline. But like I said, I mean, you know, when, when the asking price is Glaber Torres, you pass on that deal every yeah, day. You know, you're sure. like, well, look, we'll do the best we can with what we got, you know, and take our chances, you know, because this wasn't really supposed to be our year anyway. But again, neither was 2017. And, uh, you know, we took the Astros to seven games then. So, you know, we'll have to see. I mean, you know, it, it, yeah. it's, it's tough. But the, 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 the point is, is that as a Yankees fan and as a Yankees player, I mean, and, and in some cases, yeah, I mean, you know, is what they expect harsh? Yeah, kind of. I mean, because quite frankly, this whole business of, oh, the whole team having to be clean shaven, I mean, that's like, damn, for real. I mean, because, you know, it's fun watching some of these bearded guys on other teams. And, you know, but you can't do that with the Yankees. There's a reason that you don't have your name on the back of the jersey with the Yankees. You know, I mean, you, you, because you're a cog in the machine. Yeah. You know, this pinstripe machine that's been rolling for, you know, the hundred years. You know, I mean, you're you're not really important. You know, what's important is the franchise, is the history, is the legacy of the New York Yankees. Yeah, it, it definitely is a there's a stigma. There's a um, mystique that comes with the Yankees. And it's one of those things that I've always I wouldn't say envied, but like it. I hated it because growing up in this area, there was no D.C. team for a long time. So I was an Orioles fan kind of by default. <laughs> And watching those '90s Yankees teams just buzz through, saw through the the O's was was painful. But it was also one of those things too. As I grew older, I respected it because almost every single player they had on that team was homegrown. Like, yeah, I mean, you you picked up uh, Clemens obviously, and Jimmy Key was a, was a trade piece too. But like, you had uh, Andy Pettit, you had um, Jeter, you had um, why can't I think of the catcher's name right now? Um, 
Jorge Posada. Thank oh, you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, you had Jorge Posada. You had, <laughs> you had Ber- yeah, you had Bernie Williams. You had Mariano Rivera. I mean, you got Paul O'Neill in a trade. Like that that team was mostly homegrown. And Knoblock. <laughs> yeah. Well, he we won't mention him. He was a trade. But dude, he got on the twins. He's an important yeah, piece. Twins. Dude, you want to talk about something that's crazy? His career. He was, I mean, he was the best second baseman in the league. And then he got a bad case of the yips. And couldn't he couldn't make throws anymore? And like they couldn't figure out what happened. He went and saw a sports psychologist, and like the guy's career just crumbled in a matter of like maybe three or four seasons. It was really sad. Mm. And like, what's the correlation that I wanted to make here? Is the Nats for the most part they've they've homegrown a lot of their talent. Um, I mean Strasburg, of course. You've got uh, Anthony Rendon. You've got Ryan Zimmerman. You've got Juan Soto. You've got. Um, why am I Victor Robles? You've got Michael A. Tur- uh, Michael A. Taylor. You've got um, a, a ton of their relief pitchers. Um, but they, Trey again, Turner, Trey Turner, Trey Turner. Well, Trey Turner came in a trade too. Yeah, but like he came from uh, San Diego via yeah. trade. But like, what a what a fantastic yeah. trade that that was. Like that right. we're seeing this team built together, and it's just been awesome seeing them come from nothing. Because I remember I went to some of those games in 2005 at RFK. And they were okay that year, but they were multiple seasons of a hundred games that they lost. They were they were bad. They were real bad. And seeing them go from that, like there was the I wouldn't call it a scandal, but at one point one of their their jerseys was misprinted. And they weren't the nationals, they were the natinals, because there was an O missing in the jersey. <laughs> and they were they were just a disaster. And I think really it changed when Mike Rizzo took over as GM and when they signed it, it, it seems insignificant to think that one player would make a big difference. But I really think when they signed Jason Wirth, it changed oh, everything. Oh, that was yeah. a great signing when they yeah. got him from Philly. Oh yeah. my. And he yeah. could, and he could still play. It was like, why is Philly letting this guy go? Yeah. Before they want to pay him, you know, before, um, Kendrick's, uh, grand slam against the Dodgers. I, I think that, yeah, Jason Worth had the biggest hit in Nationals history. That home run that he hit against St. Louis sure. to take it to Game Five, like yep. that that call that Charlie Slows did on the radio, Definitely. it still gives it still gives me goosebumps listening to that. Three balls, two strikes. The pitch, swinging a long drive. Like, I just what I wanted to ask you guys and kind of go around the room here, because MC and I, let me tell you, on Facebook, we message each other with Bryce Harper memes on a regular basis (laughs) and just laugh and laugh and laugh. And we're just we think it's the funniest shit ever. But in all in all seriousness, right? Yeah, Bryceless. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Bryceless. In all in all seriousness, and we'll go around the room here and we'll, we'll start with our, our guest, Paul. Do, do you really do you really think that them not re-signing Harper is why they're here? And I mean, it can be a simple yes, a, a yes or no. Like, oh, no, they would have been here regardless. Or it could you can go into detail. But, Paul, go ahead and start us off, man. Like, do you think them not re-signing Harper and Harper choosing to go to Philly is part of the reason why they're here? 
Um, no, I don't. Uh, I think that's, I mean, you can say it's addition by subtraction. We don't really know how much negative it is um, in, the, in the clubhouse or whatever. I, I, I downplay that a lot. Uh, I, I think because what we've seen is like, from my perspective, what, what seems to have happened is like Davey Martinez seems to have gotten a different kind of vibe with this club and whether it's connecting with some of the younger Latino guys, which have come in around this time, like Soto and Robles have, have arrived on the scene the same time as Martinez. And those guys have kind of driven the culture and then kind of let it be kind of a, more of a relaxed culture as well as like mixing and mingling with guys that are already chill, like uh, that are veterans like Rendon, Zimmerman, Scherzer, you know, guys that already are, you know, they're, they were doing the chocolate syrup thing, you know, for a, for a while, you know, already with Scherzer and, and stuff like that. You know, so those guys already were chill. So maybe was Bryce like the guy that was always the party pooper. We don't really know if that was the case. Um, But the fact was like, he could play, uh, you know, and, and he was not hurting us necessarily in the lineup any more than Cody Bellinger was hurting the Dodgers, you know, with his O for 100 or whatever he was in the playoffs. Um, point, but are yeah. you going to take Cody Bellinger out of the lineup? No, you're not no. taking him out of the lineup. Um, and so it's kind of like that is my opinion. They, they're just a lot more relaxed. And I think Gerardo Pera you know, helped a lot. Kendrick, you know, they added some some really nice veteran pieces the guys that have been there, done that. You know, uh, what we've always seen, you know, throughout the past history of the Nats playoff flops has been it is no secret. Anybody who follows the Nats can can tell you uh, clutch hitting. You know, that's what we've been missing is the clutch hits and, yeah. and professional at bat, you know, professional at bats and guys that can go up there like Howie Kendrick uh, with the bases full and, you know, hit a hit a grand slam under pressure. Like or even if he just had a, like it looked like it was going to be a sack fly when he first hit it. But even if it was just a sack fly like that puts us up one run and we're ahead in the 10th inning. And so, you know, like th- those are the type of at bats that we were missing, you know, in the playoffs year after year after year. And, and the guys just seem so chill and like relaxed and like they're having fun playing baseball. And, and I think their attitude is comes from a mix of, you know, Davey Martinez and the manager really sets things up. But I think that's a real good mix of kind of the veteran guys that were already kind of laid back. And then the younger infusion of younger, younger players that, that, that have really helped as well. And you're seeing guys like, and, and even the maturity of guys like Strasburg, you know, who like used to be like, like friggin' Dan Snyder, a guy you never, you know, you never see, never, never see loose, never see him in the, you know, commenting after the game. Like he's like, he's always got the, like the resting, uh, resting bitch face kind of thing on his, on his face. Like, you know, like he's always angry. Like, like he's always angry or, you know, like never. Now, like he's all like relaxed and like making funny comments in the press conference. And like, you know, he's like, even Strasburg is like super chill and funny. And like, you're like, where, has this dude been for the last you know five six seven years <laughs> yeah. and so like the whole atmosphere of the club is like just so laid back and like chill and chill this year and it's like they're playing in games that bigger games than they've ever played in before and they look like they're it's like you know the first week of the season like they're just chill and having a good time and you know we're back to get the gangs all back together and let's just have fun playing like so that there's something to be said to that and whether that has to do with Bryce or not um I, that's a great question I, I'm not taking I'm not 
saying you take Bryce's bat out of the lineup and the team got better. I can't go there, but it's it's hard to it's hard to say that there wasn't a, a different vibe in the dugout last year. But whether it was yeah. Bryce's fault or the addition of these other guys, that I don't know. MC, oh, what's your take? Hey, what, hey, hey, before go ahead, we Julie. go on, I just want to say, uh, Yankees avoid elimination with a four to one victory <laughs> over the Houston Astros. So that means that. That's It'll good news for Nats fans. Yeah, and let me tell you something. You don't want to play Houston. You absolutely want to play yes. us because you yeah. got to – in fact, I, and I'll go out I agree. right here. If the yeah. Yankees manage to make it to the World Series and defeat Houston, I see them losing to the Nats. Yeah. I really yeah. do. I mean, you yeah. know, I, I, every time I have gone to Nationals Park, when the Yankees have come to town, the Yankees have lost most – frustrating thing that I have ever seen. It's like, oh, but even so, I still, I mean, and and I, I, I don't want, because Houston to me is the best team in the league right now, but yes. playing National League ball where you don't have that DH, I mean, and they're going to have to come to Washington, you know, so it's like, ooh, you, mm. they're going to have to play that National League ball. And in fact, Mike and I were talking about this a little, uh, you know, earlier tonight. How some of those Houston pitchers can't hit, you know. I mean, it's it. I I think it makes for a very interesting dynamic. But one other thing yeah. that I just want to throw in because there have been some really good Nationals teams in the past, and quite frankly, I look back at you know that that ugly game against the Giants when Matt Williams was the manager. You know what I'm talking about. Ugh. You know, he's managing like it's a freaking regular season game. I mean, who knows what happens that year? If the if the Nationals have a real manager, you know, I mean, I, who knows is all I can say. I mean, this yeah. isn't a team. I mean, this isn't this shouldn't really be a surprise to any of us that they're doing as well as they are. What should be the surprise is, is that it's taken as long as it has because they've they've been competitive for a number of years. Yeah. Um. So do you think and real quick here, because we got to we got to wrap things up here real soon. Um, sure. Do you think, Yuli, and then we'll go to MC, that they are where they are now because Bryce is not part of it? Now, whether that's because they were able – because think about it like this. You don't have – you have Bryce in that lineup. Robles isn't playing because you've got Eaton in center. So you lose that. And 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 Robles was a key factor in their in their run um, this season. Yep. And – just, just food. Like, where do you like? Do you think they, they, they have him? They're in the same spot. You know, I mean, the, the Mike, <laughs> my, my answer to this, and I'm going to try and make it simple because it could Fair be enough. really complicated. I so you. I'm just simply going to say, the baseball gods are fickle, and it's true. You know, this is one of those immutable kind of situations where, I mean, I, I bottom line. No, no, I don't think so. I think if they still have Bryce Harper, no, I don't think they're here. And I don't think that's a knock against Bryce, um, you know, because he was a great player. Frankly, I think the Phillies overpaid for him, you know, yeah. given the metrics of how you calculate that kind of thing. Um, I also think karma being what it is, you know, because the Nats made him a fair offer. And I didn't like the way he doesn't seem like he was a particularly good teammate. Ultimately, you know, that's now, that's what that's what they say. They say that he was very standoffish, that he didn't um, 
like really associate with any of the other players. I mean, like even think about it. Like we all know he's a Vegas dude, but when the Caps made their Stanley Cup run, Zimmerman yeah. and Scherzer were there in Caps gear, wearing helmets and carrying hockey sticks and cheering them on. And Bryce separated he was himself for the, for the freaking rest of Golden the Knights. Yeah. yeah, but mind you, Scherzer and Zimmerman were down in the bowl, the lower bowl with the fans. Where was Bryce? Bryce was up in the owner's box, like up in one of those suites. So it maybe that had something to do with it because camaraderie and like like playing for your teammates is a big thing in baseball. And if Bryce was doing it's that, a big that thing in life, that's yeah. true. Yeah, absolutely. You, know, you yeah. got to show up for your friends. You got to show up for your boys. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, and evidently true. Bryce Harper has not learned that. No, no, it's yeah. MC. What's your take on this, man? Um, well, just to, to piggyback, just to piggyback off that for a sec, um, a lot of the stuff I read uh, earlier in the season uh, before baseball really got started, um, you had lots of people saying stuff uh, to pretty much validate that claim. There was a, a, an anonymous, I know it's anonymous, but there was an, an executive for some NL team who said Harper was a selfish player and that he that he didn't he his team did not pursue him they would rather have spent their money elsewhere so i do think it, it's something to be to be said about that and even if he wanted to root for an imposing team like it could have all been had in good fun i mean you can look at how uh bradley beal who just signed an extension with the wizards has has uh, had handled his his uh his cardinals getting swept by the nets he laughed about it you know he's like yeah you know you know, a couple of his teammates kind of gave him crap about it, but it was all in good fun. It was in jest. Like, it wasn't some, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't looked at as like, oh, he's being standoffish or he's not, you know, it's not, it's not, it wasn't a bad thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, but that's you a really you good really point see. you just made about Beal. Because what did Beal say when he re-signed that contract? Yeah, that, that, yeah. Because, Brad, I mean, if we're being honest, Bradley Beal's been, like, people have been trying to trade, they've been trying to get the Wizards to trade him since last year. Um, so be, because they're a losing franchise, Wall is hurt, and it doesn't seem like they're going anywhere. And he said, he just the other day, he said that um, he, he saw what the, the Caps did last year, saw what the Mystics did this year, and he, he looked at what the Nationals are doing now, and he wants to do that for the basketball team. And and it, and it also helps that Beal is also friends with people on all of those teams. I so, just I, I think that it, it's funny in the in the long run. I think that that's going to be the the yin to Harper's yang. Is Harper yeah. was like, I'm going to Philly for the big money, and I want to be in Philly, and this is the town that I want to be in, and this is what I want to do. And instead of leaving, Beal's going to stay to be part of this instead of I'll go make my yeah. way somewhere else. And and part of the reason I feel like Nationals fans have every reason to have whatever disdain they have for Bryce is because when you when you see him behave the way he's behaved with the Phillies this season – like it almost feels personal that all of this stuff he's doing, like he's a Cowboys fan leading an Eagles chant at Eagle Stadium, something he never did. He never did here in Washington. Yeah. Uh, never, never, never seemed to really uh, like uh, speaking to Phillies fans on the last game of the season, saying, "Hey, I'm sorry. I'm, you know, I'm sorry we didn't get it done this year." Uh, did that happen at any point in all nope. of these these uh, underachieving seasons in Washington? Nope. No. Like so, I feel like as a fan and for, for other fans too, 
people who feel a way about him because of how what he's doing in Philly now, like it's totally validated because it 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 it's, it seems like it wasn't just a purely baseball decision. Like it feels personal because you're you you went to Philly and you're speaking about Philly and their fans in the way that you never spoke about the fans here. You're you're doing things to kind of ingratiate yourself with people that you never really tried to do here. And so that's about that. But to answer the question <laughs> and to keep it brief, um, I yeah, would say too late yeah, for that. Right? <laughs> uh, no, I, I would I would say Bryce not being Bryce not being here has a direct correlation to the success the Nats are having. Because yeah. look at look at where the money went when they did not sign Bryce. Look at who they signed: Patrick, Patrick Corbin, Anibal Sanchez, Kurt Suzuki, Brian Dozier, Matt Adams. These are all guys who contrib- who who contributed to this run that we're on. Jan Gomes, like th- these are all yeah. these are all people who have helped help uh, who helped this team climb out of the hole they were in in, in May and get to now a World Series. So wh- whether whether you know, what moves they would have done had they had Bryce accepted that that three hundred million dollar offer, we don't know, but. You can you can just look at the money and what they spent the money on this offseason and see who has contributed from the people that they signed and say, yeah, Bryce not coming here did help this team because the money they were able to distri- to uh, distribute that money to 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 acquire other people in other positions of need. And I remember talking to you, Mike, earlier. Um, you know, when Bryce was kind of up in the air and, you know, that was one of the things you were saying that you wouldn't be upset if Bryce didn't come back because, you know, the, the, the money, uh, uh, the money that they were going to spend, they, they could spend elsewhere that could help this team. I'm looking at uh, this, this website here that has all of their signings, all of the players that they signed this offseason. It only amassed to one uh, hundred ninety one million dollars, yeah. which is still which still leaves a lot of leg room. From the three hundred million that they offered to Bryce last year, so I would say, yeah, it, there's a direct correlation there. We 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 see what happened when they didn't sign them. They they got a bunch of guys that have directly contributed to this run they're on. I think that, and I'll and I'll kind of speak my piece on this, and then um, Paul, did you have something you want to say? No, I was just going to say, yeah, I guess uh, if, then if you add, yeah, like, like MC said, like if you count the other hundred million or whatever, and you put that towards the re-signing of Rendon or the you know, extension on Strauss, you know, you're using some of that money there uh, for next year, you know, for the future, you know, this is money yep. you would have locked up on Bryce, in, including all those guys he mentioned, then you can, yeah, this is money now you have for Rendon that you probably would have lost Rendon. You we might lose him anyway, but at least now it's the same money. You know, you're using that money on Rendon, who's obviously, you know, a much better clubhouse guy and, and super chill. And if Stra you know, Strauss has got a player option, I think on his deal this year, you know, so you may be or opt out player opt out at the end of the year or something like that. So you might have to, if he decides whatever Strauss decides, you might have to do something with him, you know, so that's money. Yeah. That's an extra hundred and whatever million you can use as leverage for Strauss or you can put it towards Rendon. So yeah, that's, it's a very valid point on the money piece. Let let me just add very quickly that I'm so disappointed that it looks like the Nationals are going to be able to keep Strasburg. I mean, you know, because when he came (laughs) into the league, 
it seemed like, oh, okay, this guy is good. I was thinking, yeah, five years from now, he's going to sign with the Yankees. You know, <laughs> it's like, but then he kind of fell off. So I was like, well, do we really want him? You know, but now, you know, the way that things are shaping up, I just don't see, I, I don't see him leaving. This yeah. It's just, and it's very no, disappointing. I don't need He's good. You know, in a Mike Mesquite really esque kind of move, I would love to see us be like, hey, make an overture to this kid and be like, you know, you'd look really good wearing pinstripes. Son. You know? <laughs> I just, I um, think that one of the things but, that I wanted to point out with all the, the Harper stuff is, and, and MC brought it up, we, we ended up signing Corbin and Sanchez and uh, Brian Dozier. And we ended up bringing Matt Adams back and we were able to do all of that. And if you really break it down, you know, like one player versus what I counted, it ended up being six players essentially that we ended up having every single one of those guys, as MC mentioned, contributed in a big way in the NLCS or in the NLDS or in the wild card game or just in general, because let me tell you right now. Anibal Sanchez, the reason why the Nats won and swept the Cardinals was because of game one. When Anibal Sanchez came out and threw a no-hitter yeah. through eight innings, mm-hmm. that's why they won that game. Because, And that's why they won that series. Because uh, your fourth starter, because everybody knew that Strasburg and Scherzer and Corbin were going to come in and pitch amazing. And they did. All, all three of them did. But Anibal Sanchez, who would have thought in this series that Anibal Sanchez was going to be the dude was going to be mm-hmm. the guy. Cause that's what he was. He was the fucking man. Like I was so <laughs> impressed with that dude. Like I, I, I can't even begin to tell you because I didn't expect it. I didn't see it coming. And yeah, Howie Kendrick, like this dude came back from a torn Achilles tendon. Like that's a career ender for baseball players. And he came back and had a shitty series against the Dodgers. And managed, I mean, he had three errors at one point. He was, he was like four for 19. And then he gets up in the bottom of the, or the top of the 10th inning with the bases loaded. And like, here's the other thing too. This is not a lazy fly ball that got pushed by the wind out into right field. Okay. He hit this thing to dead center. Like he hit yep. it to the farthest part of the park. That was the most emphatic home run I've ever seen in my life. And like. I've never normally, and I I made this same mention when the Caps won and Braden Holtby had the save. We all remember the save, okay? Normally that happens to us, not for Mm -hmm. us. And it was the same thing with Howie Kendrick. Normally that happens to us, not for us. And that that was kind of my point with all of this is with Bryce gone, whether he was a bad teammate or not, it, it changed the dynamic of the clubhouse because everybody looked to Bryce to be a leader, whether he wanted to be a leader or not. Maybe he just wanted to make baseball fun again. Maybe he just wanted to be a baseball player and be the best he could all be. That, that's great. But they needed a leader. And they got that in Anibal Sanchez. They got that in Gerardo Parra, which honestly, yeah. that might oh, be yeah. the, the friggin' steal of the season. Yeah. Like that is that might have been the yeah. best. Yeah. Or Gerardo Parra brought something that this team never had before. It's this this undying drive to win because how many times do you see the Nats down and Gerardo Parra is wearing those ridiculous red glasses or wait, he's got the yellow ones and Sanchez has got the red ones, right? Does anybody even know what I'm talking about? <laughs> uh, I know the glasses. <laughs> I don't know who's who. Yeah. 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 No, yeah. Either way. I haven't they, seen the yellow ones. <laughs> yeah. 
they've got these red sunglasses that they wear, Yuli, and they're just yeah. they're they're friggin' trip. They're the most ridiculous looking things you've ever seen. But like they wear these glasses in the dugout and they're always cheering players on. And like Strasburg, notoriously icy, doesn't really like dealing with other people. Every time he would come into the dugout, Anibal Sanchez would grab him and give him a giant bear hug and pick him up. And Strasburg would just start smiling. And like all of a sudden, <laughs> this dude has a personality. Like all of yeah. a sudden everything changed and whether that was Bryce's fault or not, I, I don't know. And that's the thing is I can't fault this dude. He's an amazing baseball player and he can take the money or, or whatever. And you can call him a butthole. And personally, I think he's, I think he's a butthole, but he's still an amazing baseball player, but he, it wasn't the right fit because baseball of, of any sport. And we were talking about this before. Sometimes the best team through the regular season, the one that wins 110 games ends up losing to a team that got hot at the right time. That has better chemistry. Like baseball's weird, man. And like, sometimes you just get hot at the right time. The, the team I always think of is the, I want to say it was like the 06 or 07 Colorado Rockies where they played a Phillies team that was stacked and they beat them in the NLCS to go on to the world series to play the Red Sox. The Red Sox ended up winning the world series, but that Rockies team had no quit in them. They got hot at the right time. And like, I've never seen anything like it. But you see that with baseball all the time. The Marlins were the same way. They they won two yeah. World Series like that. And I feel like this Nats team is giving me that same vibe. That it could be the Yankees. It could be the Astros. I don't think it matters. I don't think the Nats are going to lose to any of them. <coughs> well, yeah. if you're going to win the World Series, you want to beat the best. I mean, I, I don't know if you guys have noticed that... Um, Anytime there's like a baseball movie, and I keep thinking back to like, uh, was it Major League? You know, I mean, it was always the Yankees. And then at the end, the climactic scene, it's like, oh, we got to show them beating the Yankees, you know, because of that mystique that you mentioned earlier. So, uh, but you want to beat the best. I mean, that was the thing. In in fact, I think, uh, well, actually, it was the, I think the 2004 uh, Red Sox team we were talking about earlier tonight. But I, I note that last season, uh, the Red Sox. Of course, the Red Sox won over 100 games. And uh, three teams, Red Sox, Yankees, and Houston. Red Sox won 100, and they beat the Yankees and Houston, the only other 100-win game teams in the AL. You know, so you you got to – and then, hell, they beat the Dodgers in, in, the, in the World Series. So, you know, and, and that's what you do. I mean, if you're going to be the best, you have to beat the best that the majors have. Like Ric Flair says, you want to be the man, you got to beat the man. Yeah, you know, and, uh, you know, so it, it remains to be seen. Now, I got to feel, I'll be, I'll be very blunt with you, and you probably get it from what I said earlier, but I got a feeling about the Nats, and it's the damnedest thing, because I remember I came in, I was, I was out with a friend, and, uh, you know, the uh, wild card game was on, yeah. and when I looked, they were down and it was like, oh man, because I, you know, I do have a soft spot in my heart. They're the home team. And, you know, I mean, I don't, I have a, I have a cap, you know, that's the only gear that I have, but I have one, you know, and I, and I pull for them as long as it doesn't conflict with my rooting for the Yankees. And so I was like, oh man, you know, the Brewers are, oh, you know, but then I got home and it was like, oh wow, they came back to win. Ditto, you know, game five of the uh, division series, because I tuned, I was out with a friend, I tuned in, and it was like, oh, wow, uh, they're down, oh, man, oh, you know, well, too bad, it was a great run, but then I was on my way home, and it was like, oh, shit, they, 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 they're, they're up, 
and they were up like seven to three. It was like, oh, there's no, there's no coming back for the Dodgers. They're getting ready to put them away. Oh my God, you know. And um, you know, so and then they were they they swept the Cardinals. It was like, oh yeah. my God. I mean, it was just there just seems like there's no quit in them, and they won't give up. And they, I just. I can't imagine that they're because they believe now they've been and there's nothing more powerful than a team's belief in itself. These guys have been down. They've come back. They they believe they can do it. And so even if they get down to the Yankees or Houston or whoever, that's they're not going to be pressed about that. They're going to let's just keep playing our game and see what happens. Yeah. And they don't care who they play. Yeah. Yeah. There's power in that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, gentlemen, I, I want to thank you guys. This was, this yeah. was awesome. I'm so excited because there, there was a time and I'll admit it. I will gladly admit it. Uh, Paul, you made a great <laughs> comment earlier. Uh, the bandwagoning of your teenage years, um, that we all do. Um, DC sports sucked for a really long time. And I became a Colorado avalanche fan for a while when they got announced into the league, when they moved from Quebec um, I was visiting my uncle who lived um, in Montana, but they were selling in the Denver airport. They were selling Colorado Avalanche gear, and I ended up uh, getting a jersey, and I rooted for them, and they ended up winning a Stanley Cup in their first season. So it was it was kind of cool. Um, I have family that are from Boston. I, I've rooted for the Red Sox. Um, I've rooted for other teams before, but as I've gotten older, I've dropped all of that, and I've just wanted D.C. to win because it's my hometown. Yeah. And it, it's like... There's a, there's a certain amount, I mean, maybe other people feel differently. They can bandwagon hop and, and they're fine and, and, and they're excited and they, they can sport their gear and that's great. But there's nothing really truly as magical as watching a team that you've loved since you were little. And the Caps were the ones that did this to me. And I'll readily admit, when they hoisted that world, when they, the world championship, when they hoisted the Stanley Cup and they started playing Queens, we are the champions, it, it, it brought a tear to my eye. Like, it, because you've remembered all those times that they that they broke your heart, that they lost in a fluky yeah. game in Game 7. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Holtby saves a shot from a, a New York Ranger player only for it to bounce off his pads right into a guy's stick so that he scores the game-winning goal. Hockey was fluky, and it broke my heart every single friggin' time. But when they finally put it all together, and you saw this team that deserved all deserved these championships because of how good they were, you saw them find that extra gear. It made it worth it. It was the same thing with the Nats when they won the National League Championship Series. Like they were up seven nothing. I was like, oh, this is a cakewalk. And then the Cardinals started coming back. All I could say to myself, and I actually put it on Twitter, I was like, this is not 2012. This is not 2012. They're not losing this game. This is not 2012. And you could tell that they knew that too. They knew that they weren't going to lose that game. Like the fans didn't know. You could hear the nervous energy in the stadium, but they (laughs) knew that they weren't going to lose and something changed. And it's just, it's so gratifying watching a team that, that you have seen come from the bottom all the way to the top. And I just feel like, I feel like they're not, they're not done with this run, man. And like, yeah, it's, it's just, it's incredibly gratifying. I I can't wait to see this. Honestly, Yuli, we talked about this before. I hope it is a Yankees national <laughs> series because we will have a bet. There will be some sort of bet between the two of us. Like I'm going to make you wear nationals gear and a nationals hat. And you're, you're it's something like that. Like I, I might have to wear something Yankees related, which would hurt me to my soul, but 
Yeah, it's got it's gonna happen. We're gonna do it. <laughs> I, hope, I hope it becomes a problem. Is all <laughs> I can say. <laughs> uh, hey, I have a, I have a question before we before we get out of here. We can, uh, you know, it can be like a maybe a one person thing, because um, I I I, they, I heard them talking about it on radio the other day, and I thought it was interesting. Um, who would you guys select to uh, throw the first pitch for the World Series game here? Bryce Harper. <laughs> there, was, there was an article. There was an article. <laughs> I can't even. Jesus Christ. Um, there was an article in the Washington Post, and I'm going to read just a snippet of it that I think answers my how I feel about this. Um, I I shared it yesterday, and it was. It talks about how odd that first Nationals team was how weird they were, like how strange it was to be uprooted from a city that had baseball for decades to a city that had not seen it in decades. And I would have a lot of those original nationals that were on that 2005 team, because I think you would have Nick Johnson, you would have um, uh, Brian Schneider, you would have Jamie Carroll, you would have Chad Cordero, you would have these guys come back, Brad Wilkerson, you would have these guys come back as almost like a bridge to show, look how far we've come in establishing baseball in a city that people said would never be able to support a, a baseball team. Like, ba- DC is not a baseball town. Oh yeah, look at us now, is all I'm saying. And I think that that would be fitting. I think that um, if you could, I'm trying to think of, of somebody that really like represents baseball in dc before it came here um god i wish george michael ian desmond. Still, ian desmond would be a good one yeah um george michael of nbc would uh, god rest his soul uh, like he would yeah. he would have been a perfect pick that, that would be a good choice that dude Glenn that, brenner would have been a great choice too yeah like any any of those guys like i i feel that um i feel like joe gibbs Needs to throw out a first pitch. Now that's that's a, that's a name that did come that did come up the other day, and I I agree with it honestly. I yeah. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't mind that at all. Because we're not going to get into the politics of it, but we already know that uh, the current administration no, he will all. not throw it because not well, first off They're... it might agitate his bone spurs, so we can't let Duff, him do that. Yeah. Hey, when go uh... in, and this is something that I I had always had a twinge of regret about, but. Vladimir Guerrero was one of the best players in baseball, and he was not still with the Expos when they came to town. And I was like, man, I mean, it was like two years removed from him, you know, being gone, you know, because the Expos had a freaking fire sale. But I was like, man, I, and they and I remember when they first came in, they were competitive. I mean, you know, I think they were playing above themselves because they were so excited that there were people at their games. I understand the attendance there at the end in in. Uh, uh, sorry, in uh, Montreal was like 5,000 and stuff like that. But I think they were so excited to have fans at the game and that the people were interested, they were playing above themselves. But I would have loved to have seen Vladimir Guerrero. You know who I got to see is, and I can't even remember how it happened. Maybe uh, um, MC you remember, or Paul, maybe you might remember this, but we had Alfonso Soriano for a year. Yeah. 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 And, I, I went and saw um, a couple of games that year because uh, my Me boss too. at the time, my boss at the time was a ticket a season ticket holder, and that team sucked. 
but Alfonso Soriano was goddamn exciting to watch, dude. He had a 40 40 mm-hmm. season, if I remember correctly, and yeah. like 40 home runs, 40 stolen bases. But like, that was, I, I don't, I don't even know what he's doing now. Where is he? Like, is he still in, I mean, I don't think he's in baseball anymore, but like, another one that would have been great, and God rest his soul, Frank Robinson. I think maybe. Mm. If you could find his uh, uh, the the widow of Frank Robinson or maybe Frank Robinson's kids, maybe one of them should throw out the first pitch because that was the first manager. Like the guys that played on that team speak of him with such reverence. Like I'm sure Ryan Zimmerman would co-sign that. Like, yeah, it's it's a shame that he couldn't have seen this, too, because I'm sure he would he would dig the hell out of this. Well, you know, you reminded me of something, though, Mike, because, um, you know, my my last office job. Uh, I was doing uh, real estate marketing, and one of the marketing tools that I used uh, were um, entertaining clients at uh, sporting events. Uh, I had season tickets for the Nats when that season first opened. Uh, We actually rented out a luxury box on a couple of occasions. I entertained people at the games. In fact, I was doing such an event the night Michael Jackson died. And, you know, I remember getting to the stadium. It was like, oh, my God, Michael Jackson's dead. Okay, well, I got to entertain some people. The one thing that I remember the most from all of that was how they marked up the food that you gave to people. I mean, a bottle of wine, you know, like some Corbett Canyon, you know, that you would buy in the grocery store for like 10 bucks at Nationals Park. That will cost you like $50 for that bottle of wine It's the most outrageous thing. You know, that that company does. In fact, if you want to see some pictures, um, I've got because, you know, me and my bosses went to the stadium while it was still under construction. I got some wonderful construction pictures from the stadium. I mean, it's just an interesting curiosity. now. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, Guys, this was this was a ton, ton of fun, man. And And I love talking about the. Because there's the facts, you know, the Nats are in the World Series. But I like talking about the the stuff underneath of that, like what this what this meant to us, you know, like what it means to a city to to see their teams actually succeed. And we don't have to hear that negativity anymore. Like, let me tell you how great it is to see the positivity outshining the same old DC sports, you know, like our teams always suck. I love seeing the positivity is starting to reign supreme and people are like, Hey, we could do this. Or like the caps did it. So the Nats could do it. Like, I love that it's, it's rubbing off and that's just, it's, it's an awesome thing. Great. Why not? Oh, Hey Paul, I just want to say, yeah. man, you have had, the experience of a freaking lifetime. <laughs> I mean, I can't even imagine <laughs> what that was like. I mean, I think that is so cool. You are, I mean, you're, I, and just from listening to you, and I, I think you're a very, that was such a wonderfully deserving experience for you. Um, and, you know, just so long as it doesn't conflict with, uh, you know, <laughs> a team that I like. I hope you get to do something like that again. I think that'd be really great. And I and I I really want to see some of those pictures, man. I just think that is so. Cool. Yeah, it was pretty cool. You know, I was when I was growing. I was a, a high school a senior in high school when uh, when the Blue Jays won the first of their back to back in the nineties, early nineties, and it was pandemonium. You like kind of like it was when the Raptors won. 
you know, uh, this past year. So that, that was pretty cool, but I wasn't, you know, living in Toronto. I was on the East coast. So it's not like, uh, here where, you know, I can go to actually go to the games, you know, that's different. Like it would be like flying to Detroit, you know, to where at the distance out way of how far I was, but it's still, it was great. I vividly remember, you know, the Joe Carter home run that the, you know, to win the world series against the Phillies off wild thing, Mitch Williams, you know, Ooh. where exactly where I was, you in 1992 high school senior like you know so yeah it's pretty pretty amazing times there and then yeah they and then like it's been said like the expos had you know so many real good teams and then they just started you know they had pedro martinez and randy johnson you know I mean, they had both. They drafted both of those. Both of those guys, Pedro and Randy Johnson. And, you know, they, they, yeah. And then they just fire sailed everybody. You know, and then they yeah. So it's like that. This this franchise has some some awesome draft picks <laughs> through the years. If you count the Expos, like they had some studs, man. So so yeah. And it was it's been fun. And yeah, I, I was lucky enough to be. Uh, in the Verizon Center at the watch party when the Caps won the cup, you know, I was in at Verizon, you know, it was a way of, obviously the game was in Las Vegas, but I was inside Verizon at, you know, uh, when they won the cup and just being, being in DC, like that night was, you know, something you'll never forget. Like that, that's, yeah. So pretty awesome memories. I've been fortunate to be in the right place at the right time. Like the wild card game, I was there at the, at the park at the wild card game. And you know, so I've had, I have, I've been blessed with, yeah, being in some of the some good spots over the years, so I'm very fortunate with that. So hopefully we'll 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 cap it off with a World Series win here. Nothing nothing would be sweeter because I have yet to have a team that I called my own bring home the World Series because um, yeah. started started as an, started as an O's fan, and then um, when they announced the Nats in 2005 that were coming here, my dad is a DC native, and I remember he's a pretty stoic dude for the most part, and when they announced it and they showed the curly W was going to be the hat, my dad teared up a little bit and he goes, you know, he calls me Mikey, which sucks, but whatever. He's like, <laughs> he's like, he's like, Mikey, they took the senators from me when I was a kid and he didn't need to say anything else after that. And I was like, so I should go out and buy some curly W hats is what you're saying. He's like, yeah, I think it would be a good idea. So <laughs> I went out and bought Nats hats and we were Nats fans after that. Like I still rooted for the O's, but like it was, it was never the same after that. And for him to see his team as a kid, because he was just a kid when they took the when they took the senators away, the second time, you know, and to see, to see that happen as a kid, like just think, of, imagine that real quick, you know, imagine back when the when the football team was good. Let's say they took the football team from us and they went somewhere else. Just imagine how gut wrenching that would have been. That's and then to have them have a team come back, I. I I'm I'm sticking with the Nats for for the long haul because of that. Like, it, it and again it goes back it goes back to like with most people who are baseball fans it comes from your family. You know you you inherit it. You you fall in love with this sport that's kind of boring. That the rules are kind of weird. They don't really make sense when compared to other sports. But that's what makes it awesome too. Is that it's it's so it's so unique. Like a lot of other sports are very similar, but baseball is is unlike any other sport in my opinion yeah the, the no clock thing really pisses my wife off 
All right, gentlemen, thank you again for for joining us for GGR Pirate Radio. Let's go around the room here real quick. Guys, check out MC Brooks' stuff. He's an amazingly talented artist. Uh, He goes by the name MC Brooks, and you can find him on Bandcamp. You can find him on Spotify. Pay this dude his money. Listen to his music. Buy some of his stuff. Uh, He's also got a podcast, too. There you go. He's got a great (laughs) podcast. It's called The Overflow on MC Brooks. Uh, It's called The Overflow on MC Brooks. It's The Overflow with MC Brooks. I can't talk tonight. Um, we've also got Ulysses E. Campbell. Again, he is at fantasticforum.tv. You can check him out tomorrow at 4 p.m. on WERA FM 96.7 uh, if you're in the Arlington listening area. Or you can go to WERA.FM to check out the show. Um, Paul, other than, like, is this your first time doing podcasting, man? Or, like... No, I mean, I did some stuff with uh, with MC back when he was doing his Ashes to Dawn uh, podcast, I believe it was. Um, so I broke in with that. And I've always been, you know, uh, keeping my ears open for this type of thing. Uh, it's kind of up my alley. I have a, so, lots of other other friends, too, that are kind of in the same situation, you know, the, that are like you guys that are that are a- active fans and wanting to kind of get into this this kind of uh uh, thing and so I'm always keeping my ears open for opportunities to to come on and and discuss sports with like-minded folks or like uh, MC says sometimes not so like-minded but uh, <laughs> but, but sports fans have have that, and that's what makes it good when you when you disagree about your own yeah. team you know that's what that's what that's what uh, that's what the the where the where the where the the listening pleasure is when you uh, have a have a disagreement uh, as friends uh, but uh, you disagree on the on a certain topic you know and so that's what that's that's a uh, radio gold so to speak so <laughs> i'm always looking for for opportunities like that and to continue to delve into it um and so yeah so that that's that for me well buddy you are welcome to come back on man and i think that um in maybe two weeks or yeah. so we might be on the, the show again talking because it the, you you get to you got to see something unique as yuli was saying you've gotten to follow this team essentially twice you know, like you watch them in the beginning and now you're watching them in their new incarnation. So it'll be kind of a unique experience for you. But we'll definitely talk post World Series, man. So you're, you're definitely welcome to uh, to join us again, man. It was it was great having you on. Yeah, I appreciate it. Anytime. Of course. All right. So, ladies and gentlemen who are out there in the listening world, thank you so much for tuning in, uh, for being part of our GGR family. Uh, remember, guys, the website's greatgeekrefuge.com. Um, you can check out all the podcasts just by searching them. Uh, search Great Geek Refuge on, on iTunes. You'll find all of our podcasts. They're all right there. Uh, but for MC, for Yuli, uh, for our guest Paul, my name is Mike Lunsford, and don't be a juice bag. Thank you for listening to GGR Pirate Radio. Make sure you check out our website, greatgeekrefuge.com, for all of our awesome articles and wonderful podcasts.
this has been Pirate Radio Network Production Juice Bags. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, boy. <laughs>